You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 64. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! What's crack a in podcast world? Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 64. Ah! We are pretty excited today. We've got us a guest, Father Seth Donald, with us um, from St. Michael's Episcopal Church here in Lake Charles. I'm pretty excited about this myself. I've been going back and forth a few times about bringing them on, and God has decided that this is the right time for this. Um, so we had John do a little bit of the work and helping get Father on, so I'm going to pitch it over to him in a second. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot of cool things today. He's got a cool personal story. Um, as you all know, our mission is to motivate and inspire through faith and hope. And I think that you're going to see not only through his story, but some of his happenings with his church and thought processes on life uh, gain a lot from it today. So we're looking forward to it. What you think about that, Johnny? I know you had a, a big role in this deal. Heck yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, excited to have another guy from Jeff Davis Parish on the podcast mm-hmm. again. Uh, pretty big deal. Um, so definitely the highest rated uh, number of uh, guests coming from that area so far. So it's really holding it down. You know, Father Seth's name has come up from pretty early on. Uh, I remember one of our earlier guests, uh, Sean Corcoran, had recommended it. And then we had kind of talked about it several times. And uh, we're just happy to have you on. Well, I'm glad to be here, and you know, ever since you had Sean on, I think you referred to him as a friend of the community, and so I've <laughs> said, hey, Sean, friend of the community, but uh, he's a friend and a neighbor as well, and you know, I, I'm a listener, so I do listen to you guys. In fact, um, every morning, my dog will take me for a walk, and I listen to podcasts, <laughs> and usually it's three podcasts. I'll listen to uh, Robert Barron, who's a, a, a Catholic bishop, uh, yeah. listen to N.T. Wright, Anglican Bishop and you guys, so you know nice. you, y'all well, are it's a in big some, company, good company. Some, yeah. some, some strong company there. And uh, but I'm happy to be here and happy to share some thoughts with you today. So thanks for asking me. Awesome. We're more than happy to. And, and like I said, Father, uh, forgive Craig and I if John gives you too hard of a time. I've prepped him as hard as I can not to give you too hard of a time. But I think he's of all our guests we've had so far, he is locked and loaded with this. He spent a lot of time researching you, talking to multiple people about you, not just one or two, multiple. So again, Craig and I, forgive us for this. You may learn something about yourself today you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sweating bullets over here, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's true. I made one last phone call right before I came over and uh, checked one more source. Uh, didn't have anything additional to offer, but uh, anyway, I'm ready. <laughs> And hey, before we get into the good old um, weekly segment of Would You Rather, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, I know you're a big family guy and whatnot, um, your church, uh, introduce yourself a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, I'm an Episcopal priest in town, as you mentioned, uh, rector of St. Michael and All Angels, and been married to Amy for 21 years now. We have three daughters. 
I'll try to remember their ages under pressure, 18, 16, and 12. Okay. So um, I'm way outnumbered on the gender side of things, but happily outnumbered. Um, Grew up in Jennings, uh, as John Stephen mentioned, in Jeff Davis (laughs) Parish. Uh, Great place to grow up. Uh, Two loving, uh, wonderful parents and um, and a sister who, who now lives in Monroe who's a coach up there. So, yeah. So that's the, the short version. Yeah. All right. We're looking forward to it. I made an interesting observation. So, Father Seth, I've also been married 21 years. Wow. I have a 19, 17, and 13-year-old daughter. Okay. So well, I'm God ready. bless you I, for that. Kind of likewise. I, we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar past here. I was thinking the same thing whenever I was doing my research, and uh, I hear y'all have a little nickname at your house about uh, what this is called. Uh Donald Girlville, is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Donald Girlsville. Yeah, I think there's an S in there because that, maybe it's a possessive S because oh, okay. the, the girls definitely rule. But yeah, one of the girls made, I don't know what age they were, but they were younger and they put that up around the house. They made a little sign, Donald Girlsville. So That's awesome. I already knew that, but it made it very clear. It's like, just in case you didn't know. Right, we're in charge. You. Yes. You're in charge. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Um, well, like I said, we're looking forward to it today. I'm glad John's already coming out hot for you. No telling. He's just scratching the That's surface. some good research right out the bat. Yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, but look, and we're going to flip it over to him, too. He's got it this week with the good old would you rather. What you got for us, Johnny Boy? Well, I'm going to stay with the uh, biblical um, reference since it seems appropriate for Father Seth being here. So, I'm just going to lay it out there, and you just tell me what comes to mind, what you would rather in this situation. Would you rather be able to walk on water or turn water into wine? Oh, okay. <laughs> Good job, John. You can ask any qualifying questions if you would like. Okay, walk on water or turn water into wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it good wine or is like <laughs> That's swill? what I was thinking. But I was, <laughs> yeah. Whenever it hit me, I'm like, okay, what are we talking? Are we talking Behringer or are we talking Camus? Right, yeah. Is it the best wine? Hmm. It can be good quality wine. I would think Jesus made the good stuff. I, yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah. It, that's what I heard. So I think, you know, Peter didn't make it walking on the water for very long. Um, and I think that would be presumptive of me to try to outdo Peter. Uh, and to be more like Jesus. So I'm going to go with make, wow. what make a well the wine. Thought out. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Good work. How about you, hot dog? You know, I was leaning toward the uh, walk on the water, <laughs> but then I heard that and I was like, nope, I'm going to stick with father on this <laughs> for those exact same reasons. I don't have nothing more to say than that, even though I was leaning toward walk on water so I could just wave at John on the shore. I'm cruising by, but I'm going to go with turn the water into wine um, and model after Jesus. I'm going to stick with that. All right, CC. That's not fair. (laughs) Uh, So for those reasons, I totally agree with y'all. That's awesome. Yes. Always want to be more like Jesus. I don't know from a, just applying those two things just as they are in my life. I mean, walking on water would be fun. Not so much that I like to swim, but if I started to get tired, I could just say I'm taking a break and I'm sitting up here on the water. Um, but I do like wine. And if I could make it the best <laughs> wine, you just, I could, you know, it could be the life of the party. All your friends come over. Hey, guys, come on over. So, yeah, I'll go with the water to wine. 
Yeah, uh, I'm a big fisherman, so um, you know we kind of had one along these lines in the past, and uh, we had, there were all kind of qualifying questions on it. Well, if I'm in a stream, am I going to go downriver with the current, or what's going to happen with that? So uh, it would be advantage uh, as far as a fishing component. You might be able to sneak up on the fish and maybe get a closer spot than you would normally be able to in a boat. But uh, I enjoy being in the boat, so I think I would just go ahead and stick with the water to wine situation. You wouldn't have to worry about ordering an extra bottle of dinner. You'd just be like, oh, bring, me, bring me your water cup. I, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm seeing is here, we should have asked Father last and gotten his take since it was so good. <laughs> and we no telling what the three of us would have said. Well, you know, I yeah. could see where as a survival technique, you would probably want to walk on water, but apparently we're not as worried about that as <laughs> having a nice glass of wine. So... <laughs> Uh, that was pretty good, John, actually. Good one. Well, you're welcome. And before we get started, I do have one more thing. I brought, I, I brought something in today I saw on eBay, and, uh, you know, it, it looked like it pertained to you. So I need to just ask you for a little <laughs> clarification. Is this all, Can you authenticate this, uh, this particular item that I found? Biscuit of a champion. <laughs> Biscuit of a champion. That's uh, that's impressive. Is that um, how old is that biscuit? Uh, I think it's from 1993. <laughs> just so our just so our <laughs> listeners get an idea, this is a little packaged container that John has provided, like a little to go like burger box to go yeah. container, yeah, like a clamshell. It has yeah. a biscuit in it, is what it appears, and then some writing that says "Biscuit of Champions." Father. <laughs> What does that mean? What does it mean? So now I'm wondering if John Stephen works for the FBI. If this this is a I deep you, dude, level of research that's going on here. Uh, very impressive. Uh, I think that this refers to the 1993 um, 3A football championship. Heck yeah. 92. It was 92 uh, where Jennings won the, um, won the state title. And I had some friends, the Cassidys and Jennings, if you know them, um, they were big pranksters. And so Carl and his sister Catherine, um, before we got back from that game, put a label on everything in my house. Biscuit of a champion, <laughs> toilet of a champion, oh. toothbrush of a champion, salt and pepper of a champion. <laughs> just keep funny. on going. <laughs> That's what my research revealed. Yes, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I thought that was a neat little story I just want to throw out there. You know what I'm seeing is, if you noted, right before he brought this up, Father, I think you're in okay hands because he said he had one more thing to add. So I guess he's out. No more well, jokes. I'm no scanning more the room. I'm kind of looking to see what else could possibly. That is the only prop that I have, yes. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that was man. good, Steve. I did have some good intel um, that you were an excellent gardener and that at one point in time you were, had some championship-level uh, ragweed going on yeah. uh, <laughs> right. when you were in Treeport. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I do fancy myself as a gardener. I enjoy that. It's one of my ways that I relax is yeah. uh, kind of getting dirty and working in the, in the ground and the soil and um, seeing what might come up. Um, and when we were first married, um, and we were kind of, uh, working with budgets and so forth, trying to pinch some pennies, uh, I wanted to keep up my hobby of gardening and landscaping, that sort of thing, but I wanted to do it on the cheap. So, um, I was down around Thornwell, I think I was fishing down there and, um, saw some beautiful flowers on the side of the road. And I thought, well, 
I'll just yank some of those up. You know, they're just in the ditch. And um, I'll just plant those, transplant those. And, man, I've got a, a beautiful garden for nothing. Yeah. God provides. <laughs> uh, and, so, and so some time goes on, and I'm pretty proud of what I've done. And uh, we were living in Alexandria at the time. And so I have a friend, I think it's Bill Wallace, he came over, and I was showing him around. He wanted to see the house and uh, showing him my yard and um, showing off my, my flowers. And he said, wow, um, why do you have ragweed back there, Seth? <laughs> like, <"Wh-> oh, oh, <laughs> the yellow was ragweed. And of course, we all have allergies, so those didn't last oh, very man. long. <laughs> Started buying from nurseries after that. That's so, funny. <laughs> I learned my lesson, Greengate. That's good. That's good. Okay, one last thing before we get into the topic. Um, I hear you gave your sister a pretty hard time growing up. And she's felt like... See, everything was accurate so far. (laughs) (laughs) She felt like, you know, you gave her a tough time and that um, it was poetic justice that you ended up with three sisters. She told me a little story about how you used to chaperone her whenever uh, her boyfriends were over. Well, you know, some people need chaperones, right? Uh, no, that probably is poetic justice, but, um, yeah, my sister and I are good friends now, but we had our moments when we were growing up as most siblings do. Well, just Uh, to reveal a couple of sources, she was one of the people that I talked to that, uh, had a nice conversation with her. Um, I appreciate all the input Brooks and then your wife gave us, gave me a little bit of info too. So, okay. More to come. I'm guessing so. Again, as our preference. This is becoming more of a roast than a, uh, than a podcast. <laughs> but hey, do not we... put Craig and I into this. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I talked to John this morning. I tried so hard. I had to talk him off the ledge. Imagine what more he would have here. <laughs> well, look, I think a cool place to start here is, again, we like to motivate and inspire through some faith and hope, is your journey in life to where you've come. And I find it really interesting myself about one's journey with God and, and hearing God and, and finding our place in life, which you have, I believe, gone through some of those phases to get where you are um, today at um, St. Michael's Church, uh, being the priest there. But, and I was really surprised when I heard this because I didn't even know till recently, I think it was John actually telling me about the beginning. And there's going to be some prelude to that, I'm guessing, but you were a state farm agent before for 10 years too i was was cruising Mm -hmm. over that before making your way into the ministry and where you're at now um uh preaching can you tell us a little bit about your story your faith journey um along the way with god and how doors opened in your life and you knew when to go through a lot of places we can go here but i think it's a good little broad place to start sure yeah i'm happy to share that um and let me just start off by saying you know we're all called to ministry in some Mm -hmm. way and ministry sounds like a very intimidating and formal word, but it's not. I mean, we're all, God is always calling us to do something to, uh, to serve God in his kingdom. And so you don't have to be an ordained priest or minister or pastor to serve God. And, um, you know, I think you, you serve God in this podcast as you inspire and give people hope, um, and in your, your daily life, raising a family or whatever the case might be. Um, but yeah, uh, I did, I worked for State Farm. I had a, a career there for 10 years or so and had a wonderful experience with State Farm, um, where, I would where say. Where was the practice? Just curious. My my agency was in Shreveport. Shreveport, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably as young as um, a teenager, maybe before that, I felt a call to ministry, and I think God was probably 
asking me to offer myself to the priesthood. Um, I've always felt a closeness to God, especially in church. And a church has always been meaningful to me as a community, a place of, uh, of belonging, um, to hear the scriptures, to receive the sacraments, to be a part of something bigger than myself. So I think that um, church has always been important to me. I've also seen God in nature. And so even as a child, hunting and fishing in South Louisiana, I think God spoke to us. You can see God's fingerprint in creation. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that too was a, a vehicle uh, for God to work for me. Um, but yeah, but, but then, um, you know, I, I came from a family of, uh, businessmen and I thought, always thought, well, I'll just, you know, do it. Dad and granddad did even though I had no pressure at all to do those things. And I went into the business world and ended up at State Farm and, um, uh, had a great experience, a great tenure there. I was with the company as an employee and then got an agency in Shreveport and was um, really blessed to have some some wonderful mentors uh, at that company. Um, good Christian men who um, and women too uh, who showed me showed me that you don't have to be ordained. But but yet um, I was telling John Stephen the other day, you know, when you have this call in your life, it's almost like you've got this rope uh, tied around your waist, and there's a lot of slack in it, and you can kind of forget that it's there. Mm-hmm. And God will let you do your own thing for a while, but every once in a while, He just gives a big yank, a big tug, mm-hmm. kind of jerks you back and reminds you, um, "I've got, I've got some, I've got other plans for you. You know, I've got other things that you really need to consider, and really just trust me." God says, "Just trust me and and uh, let me lead the way." And so, um, so after multiple tugs, after <laughs> many years, um, I finally said, "Uncle, you know, this is it. This is all I can do." Um, and I was very comfortable with State Farm. We were very rooted in Shreveport. Yeah. We had a great life. Um, I was very stable. It was a fruitful career. Uh, so it was a sacrifice. There's a lot. Your last podcast was on the last one I heard was on sacrifice. Right. And so there was a lot to sacrifice. Um, but I've never looked back. I've never regretted it a minute. So a lot of people ch- take changes in life like this after some kind of big calamity or um, something that goes on like that? Uh, Being in the insurance world, was it a hurricane or something else like that that finally turned you around and made you receptive and respond to that calling? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, um, I just knew that there would be kind of a gap if I didn't. I knew I would always wonder, you know, why didn't you or what would have happened if you at least made yourself available for that type of discernment to at least jump in and discern and pray through that. And in the Episcopal Church, and I'm sure in many denominations, there's a very structured process to, uh, the, for the path to ordina- ordination. And, um, you know, it begins on the parish level, and then it, it goes on to the diocesan level with the bishop and, and so forth. And, um, and so the initial step was to just say, you know, I'm open to the possibility, God. You know, I'm going to put myself out there, and they can tell me no if they want, but here I am. Father Seth, you know, a lot of times we talk about this in some of our previous episodes, going through life and always discerning, like, God, there's something else for me. Like, there's another thing God's calling me to do or something I want to accomplish, and the fears and things that keep us from reaching those. Um, What are some of the things you can maybe comment on as far as when you were discerning that gave you the courage and strength to take that leap of faith. I'm assuming that maybe you've had conversations with your wife over the years that, Hey, this is on my heart. 
as opposed to coming home and saying, Hey, I know we're comfortable, but I got this crazy, I just, I got this idea and like hitting her with like a, a shocker. Like, what was that like that sort of that transition co- talking to your colleagues? Like, Hey guys, guess what? You know, I'm doing this. I mean, maybe it was something you talked about, but I, just, I, I try to think about that in my head, like those changes and discerning them, but then also how, what it was like when you made that, that official decision, like, this is it, I'm, this, I'm going for it. Yeah, it was a long time coming, so it wasn't a drastic, surprising change. Um, I had volunteered in every capacity that I possibly could have at the church before I, I entered a formal discernment process. And um, early on, I mean, the first year that, that I was married, I sat my wife down, Amy, whose grandfather was an Episcopal priest, and she had a, a, an insight to to that life that many don't and i sat her down um i said amy i think i'm being called into the priesthood she didn't always like me to tell this story but uh and and she said well you might be called to the priesthood but i'm not called to the priesthood or to be a priest wife and so uh so we're gonna have to back the truck up a little while uh and and we did and that's fine it's all in god's time and that wasn't the right time and so you know God always wanted me to honor the vow I made to her first mm-hmm. before I took on any additional vows. And so, you know, when she was ready, um, and, and I, that might have been, a, that was several years later, you know, uh, that I entered a, a more formal discernment process. Yeah. That's awesome. So take us through this. So you decide you're going to roll through the discernment process, and I'm assuming there's a, a process to actually becoming a priest. So, so you had to give up a lot and then go through studies and whatnot to get, Take us through the process of that to where you are now. The the act of, it's not just, oh man, I feel called to do this. You also have to go through the actions to do it, the sacrificing that you have to do it, probably from family, et cetera, um, to do some of, I'm assuming, the training and the education part of it. Can you take us through some of that? Because I think a lot of, every, all of us can liken that to something in our lives whenever we're trying to sure. achieve a goal or go through something. You know, we've got to make the sacrifices as we've discussed and then being able to persevere and then stick with, I don't know if you had any times where you second-guessed yourself or, man, am I in the right place? Any, just that process within. Yeah, so um, after the discernment process, the way it's set up in the Episcopal Church is on the parish level, you meet with a discernment committee of lay folks who, you know, you talk about your calling and and why you think you are called and so forth. And then uh, that goes to the bishop and a, a diocesan discernment committee and then, uh, the bishop either approves or um, suggests other ways to serve the church. Uh, after that process, then um, you go to a formal training program. Uh, you get a master's in divinity. Uh, there are 11 seminaries in the Episcopal Church, and the bishop at the time, our bishop, gave me the choice of two. And one was in Wisconsin, Neshota House, and one was uh, the University of the South at Suwannee, Tennessee. And so visited both. Uh, we went to Wisconsin in May, and um, my wife Amy is, uh, you know, she's kind of a small, petite um, person who is, gets very easily cold. <laughs> and so we were there in May. It was a beautiful day, but uh, there were these big shovels, big blue shovels that were uh, around the cloister of the seminary. And I think she asked, like, what are these shovels for? And they said, well, it's just May. We don't put the snow shovels up till June or July. And uh, we, we decided, well, we're definitely going to go visit Tennessee now. Uh, and so we spent three years at Swanee, the University of the South, uh, at seminary there, and had a, a wonderful experience. We um, sold our house in Shreveport. We moved to Swanee. Um, kind of one of those trust exercises was um, the university owns 
I was telling you this the other day, John Stephen, that the university owns 13,000 acres. They call that the domain, and that's the campus. And so if you want to live up there, you, you're going to live on university property, right? There's no renting an apartment back in the city. Um, and they didn't have housing stock for us. Uh, we had already sold our house. We had already pushed the closing back a couple, at least a couple of times. We had lined up the moving truck, and Swanee still didn't have uh, housing available. And so um, I remember calling um, our bishop, who's our current bishop now, and I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, this is, this is down to the wire. Like, I don't, what, maybe, I, maybe I go to another seminary. He was like, look, just, just pray on this. Have some trust. Um, call me back in a couple of days. If this doesn't work out, let me know what happens. And then the next day, you know, a house made itself available. It was um, a great place for us for the next three years, and it all worked out. But, I mean, the moving truck was coming the next day regardless. So it was... <laughs> Had to it, go somewhere. It, it, right. Somewhere. Right. You got to live somewhere. <laughs> uh, and so that was a beautiful spot for us right there at the Cumberland Plateau. Um, just down the street from our house was a, a, an overlook to the valley. And we mm-hmm. got there and see some beautiful sunsets and um, wonderful time spent in community and, and not only academic formation, but also in worship and community with some seminarians that are still great friends that I keep in touch with all over the country. Wow. Yeah. So what happens um, when your training was complete and you're in Tennessee, what's that next step uh, with your bishop and knowing where you're going to land, where you're going to end up? Is that something you decide, they decide, or is it kind of a mutual decision, or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, you're obligated to the diet, you're sending diocese. Uh, if there is a, a spot available, and there usually is, then you're going to go back to the diocese that sent you to seminary. Okay. Uh, and that was the case with Western Louisiana is our diocese. Okay. Uh, our diocese goes from... Um, <clears throat> Uh, Shreveport to Lake Charles to Lafayette to Monroe. So we've got pretty much the whole state except for New Orleans and Baton Rouge. And so there were a lot of possibilities. But again, it was just one of those trust things where the bishop's going to place you and you just trust it's the right the right place. And we ended up in Lake Charles and it has been the right oh, place. Wow. Yeah, That's awesome. When did y'all wind back up in Chuck Vegas? Uh, uh, in 2015. Okay. Yeah. So we're making our way here. Um I think I've got a few questions, and I know the fellas may too. And I'm, we have a thing with nuggets. Um, recently, we did a little video with some chicken nuggets. And I thought this would be a good little uh, nuggets of wisdom with Father Seth here. A little segment we can pop in with the nuggets idea. And one of my questions is, we're all enduring a lot with um, pandemic, hurricanes. We've got the good old ice storm that we just rolled on through here. Um, what about some thoughts on how we can deal with tough times in our life when we're dealing with these type of things? I think all of us listening, sitting here in the room or are going through one thing or another, any advice, wisdom you can give on that? Yeah. I mean, we've been through a lot, hadn't we? We've not only everything that you've mentioned, those national natural disasters, but COVID too. I mean, the pandemic, which has been very isolating for so many people. Um, so, you know, scripture talks a lot about, endurance and perseverance and our faith is one that does not ignore the trials and sufferings of this life but makes sense of it and so you you read a lot of scripture that talks about you persevere you endure you allow and invite christ into those moments where you are suffering and have trials and then allow that to be transformed and healed and so you know for us right now i guess if i got to make that a nugget um, you know, just just hold tight, have faith, have patience, have trust. 
And um, some of this I'm preaching to myself because I'm not a very patient person, I've discovered over the last 12 months. And um, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to have, have patience and, and just let things play out and see how God works. I know God is at work, busily mm-hmm. at work. Um, but it's almost like uh, you know, a plant in winter when the roots are growing and you can't see that because it's under the ground. But then in spring, um, it leaves out. So it's, it's almost like I feel like we're in one of those periods where the roots that are growing, you know, we're getting stronger in our faith. We're enduring. We're persevering. And I can't wait to see what spring brings. That's awesome. You know, I think, you know, as myself growing up, you know, going to church, I, I see the priest and I'm like, oh, this is probably a pretty good gig. You know, you got an hour of work a week. This is pretty neat. Um, obviously, that's not the case. Um, Short side note, that's probably why he's still considering being a deacon. <laughs> must be why. <laughs> I was just wanting to ask, you know, behind the scenes, what are some of the things that are most difficult for you as a priest to uh, to do? And some, what are some of the most rewarding things, the things that you get the most joy out of uh, partaking in? Yeah, you know, it's hard work. It's challenging work, but it's the most rewarding work, most rewarding thing I've ever done. And it's really an honor and a privilege to sit with somebody in their final moments as they leave this world. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to be with a young couple who wants to get married and commit their life to one another and to be a part of that type of energy. Um, it, it's an honor, a weighty honor to be with folks as they struggle through life and try to make sense of the, some of the things that we all go through. Um, it, really, it's about a, do, a dozen jobs, I think, because there's a business side to a church. You know, we, we've got to keep the lights on and pay the insurance policies when a hurricane comes in <laughs> and, and try to rebuild it. Better and, be current. You know, there's a, um, a volunteer coordination piece to this. There's a, a, certainly a sacramental liturgical function to this where we're gathering the people of God to, to worship God on Sundays or every day that we celebrate the Eucharist. So um, there are lots of different roles. And um, it's I'm sure it's easy to think, oh, well, this guy just works on Sunday. And <laughs> we, we've gone from three Masses on a Sunday to, to one church service uh, since the pandemic and the hurricanes. And I'm sure nobody's mentioned it, but uh, <laughs> I can imagine like, oh, he's thirding it over here. <laughs> but no, there's, there's, always, there's always something to do. And, um, and I feel like most of it is such an honor and a privilege and, and, and a lot of it's hard, you know, uh, but always rewarding just to be, um, to accompany folks and to help them see where God might be at work, even in something that they might be struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. Another one coming for me. I got a couple here for you. Um, what about this? The use of talents. I think it's pretty apparent just in listening to you the way you speak. Um, it's a gift that God has given you to be able to preach to people, be with people in these moments. What can you speak to the fact of maybe in your discernment in time, you said you always kind of felt a calling to be um, where you're at, but analogizing that to everyone, we all have our talents in life and gifts that God gives us. And a lot of times I think people at different points in their lives struggle with, man, why am I here? What am I doing? What is my talent? What is my place? Being able to hear that, being able to hear and discern that call, because it seems that's something that you were able to do very well. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a quote, I think it's uh, Frederick Beekner, a, a theological writer. He said that um, uh, your call is where your passion and the world's needs intersect. Uh, 
So, you know, I think God uses those things that we really love to do, that we really enjoy, um, to somehow serve other people and to advance his kingdom. So it doesn't have to be something that you just think is miserable, mm-hmm. right? It's, um, it's the gifts that God gave you, the things that you really enjoy and that make you more you that God can really use to uh, make a difference. Speaking of talents, I'm glad to hear that you like nature and plants because I like to look at the trees and I frequently get criticized for just taking a moment to observe God's creation. <laughs> Greg's taught us a lot about that. <laughs> and accepting the beauty of that creation. So that was pretty awesome. And kind of going back to talents and on the flip side too, to have a church uh, community, you have to rely on the talents of your, your congregation, I suspect, as we all kind of have a gift that we can bring to the table to further God's message, God's word, God's word. How important is that in your, your particular church and, and your, your family as far as kind of seeing the beauty of the gifts that God's given everyone, but then also trying to encourage them to do something to minister, as you mentioned to earlier, or, or lead others to, to God? Yeah, and, and I thank God that, you know, a clergy person doesn't have to do this all alone, that, um, in fact, it's not healthy if we do. And that God uses all the whole body of believers and all the various gifts and talents that we all possess to, to really form a strong community in faith. And um, so, yeah, we need all that variety. I mean, just think how boring it would be if, um, if it was just me or just whatever minister or priest, you know, happens to be at a place. Um, but no, it takes all of us. And some people are gifted um, in volunteering and have a, a passion to help the poor and the needy and others are great fundraisers and and others uh want to read and serve in church and i mean others want to teach sunday school so it, it takes all of us i think i'd heard that that could be one of the challenging things for um uh leaders of the church is a small percentage of the the congregation everybody goes to worship but sometimes it's hard to get people to share those gifts and talents with the uh, community or their church you know it's always encouraging people they're always encouraging everyone to come and bring what you can because just think about how much further you know, that message could get and how many more people you could serve. I don't know if you felt that same sort of challenge in your own church. Well, sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. People are busy. Even in the pandemic, people are busy. Mm -hmm. You know, we all lead busy lives. We all have lots of things to do. Um, So it is a a sacrifice. It's an offering when we when we give our time. Um, We're talking about stewardship earlier. Don't worry. It's on the list. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you say stewardship and you Maybe this is the church's fault that we beat people up with stewardship and associating that with money. Mm. And of course, yeah, you, you do need money to run a, an organization like the church, but uh, stewardship is really offering of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we spend our time and how do we allocate our talents? And, and then there's a financial piece to that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we could hit on the stewardship just for the listeners. Uh, Hot Dog over here has been trying to get that one on the on the podcast for a little bit and father Seth had some really good insight in that. I have another question for you here that pertains to, um, our prayer life, prayer practices. I think you actually phrased it about that, uh, that way. What about some of the techniques or, um, things that people can use to help them discern, to help them hear the voice of God and things like that? Do you have any tips for the, uh, for the listeners out there? Yeah, I think there's a lot in that question. So um, there's discernment in their prayer practices, and then they they intersect as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, discernment is not just about becoming a priest. Discernment, we we all should undergo some discernment when we come to certain milestones or decisions in our lives. And 
and, and maybe even some minor things. Now, not whether you're going to drink lemonade or drink water or, or something like that, but I think that God will use um, our emotions and our passions and our interests uh, to help us in some of our decision-making as we pray through some of those various choices. Yeah, in regards to discernment, I think that's well said. I'm, I'm more talking like whatever your calling is in life, purpose in life. I think a lot of people are a big decision. Should I move here? Should I go here? Should I take that job? Stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think some of it is just taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, back to everybody being so busy. Um, if we're always chasing our tail, then we, we never have a chance really to listen to, to God's voice. And God uses lots of different ways to, to speak to us and to be in relationship with us. Sometimes it uses other people. Uh, sometimes it's scripture. Sometimes it's in a prayer. Uh, sometimes it's all those things. Sometimes it's, it's just waiting for the right time, the timing in God's time. Um, so, you know, all those kind of play a part in discernment. And, and I think too, that we have to discern what's God and what's not. Yeah. You know, what is, what's a, the distracting, just, just distracting noise. And what is maybe a more sinister voice that's not God's that's maybe tempting us or calling us to something that maybe even is good, but not the best choice for us. Um, you know, I heard somebody um, say a quote a while back, and I sent a little video of, of it to you um, a while back, and I uh, heard there were only six um, Episcopalians left. Is that accurate, <laughs> or have you been able to grow the congregation since you've been ordained? So is this the the John Meacham this reference? This is the John Meacham that, reference that I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for you guys and the listeners, um, yes, John, John Stephen, uh, he was watching the news one morning, and you know the author, uh, prize-winning author, writes a lot of biographies, John Meacham, yeah. uh, was on the news. And he said, I forget what the context was, but he says, you know, I'm an Episcopalian. There are only three or four of us left. Uh, <laughs> and so, so John Stephen texts me. He says, uh, do you know this guy? He says, there are only three or four. They all know each other. And uh, I texted him back and said, actually, I've been to his house. You know, I don't think he would remember me, but uh, his neighbor, he has a house in Swanee. Ah, and hmm. his neighbors, the Carlisles, were good friends of ours. And so we, we've been to their house, the Meacham's house uh, at Swanee. And it was just kind of funny because... You were going for a joke, but I'd actually had met him. <laughs> That's the That's best. Funny. You can stop those little John so, jokes. So, you know, I know you guys are authentic because if you're going for numbers, getting the Episcopalian market, you know, I think you're just looking for good material. <laughs> <laughs> but all good. jokes aside, we, we do take evangelism seriously. And um, even though that for many in more liturgical traditions, that is uh, more difficult or maybe not as practiced to talk about your faith. Um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be afraid of talking about our faith, whether it's through our words or our actions. Um, so that was funny about the, the John Meacham piece. So. <laughs> Thank you for keeping that somewhat under wraps, John. <laughs> I feel like he's got more. But I just, we better keep going, Matt, because he's going <laughs> to... There's no telling what's left over there. All right, Father, That's look. Awesome. Every uh, guest we bring on, we like to ask them the proverbial question for who or what do they believe is driving their car. Um, that could be God, free will, pandemic, hurricane, spouse, a lot. We've had sense of urgency, a lot of different answers along the way. No right or wrong answer, personal answer. What comes to your mind with that question? Yeah, so um, on, my, on my best days when I'm doing it right, okay, so this isn't all the time, 
I'm going to say that, um, I'm going to say the car is God's. Everything's God's, but I get to drive this car for a little while. And uh, on my best days, I will let Jesus take the wheel. And we're going to fuel it with the Holy Spirit. Oh, there we go. So I'll go with that. Wow. That's a powerful fuel. Look at that. (laughs) Good mileage. (laughs) Good mileage. (laughs) I bet Uh, the license plate says Trinity. Well, Father, uh, we appreciate you coming on today with us. A lot of insight, great, a lot of laughter, got to experience some joy, some seriousness, which is kind of what we do. And I I really appreciate you. uh, And we appreciate you coming along and helping spread our mission and our word. So just want to personally say thanks for coming on. It's been my privilege. And I wish you all the best and many blessings as you continue to spread this message of hope and inspiration. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. You know, it's something that's been a long time in the works, and I appreciate you putting up with the jokes, and I appreciate all the insight and uh, everybody helping me with that material. It was awesome. Thank you so much. The words were amazing. Uh, We just appreciate you being here. Thank you. So, Father, uh, if people wanted to um, know more about your ministry, your church parish, how to connect with you, and and the things you're doing to kind of grow your your community how can they get in touch with you how can they find you and, and help help serve uh, your community yeah i'd say the easiest place is probably on our website stmichaelslc.com we also have a facebook page uh, we did suffer a good bit of damage during the hurricanes we're trying to not only rebuild from that but come back stronger and so we've got a couple of initiatives that we are looking for some donations for and and those could be made on our on our website awesome thank you yeah, um, at lunch the other day you were telling me that the organ was severely damaged and y'all are going to have to replace that. Um, I mean, that alone is a was a huge number that you told me the, the cost of that uh, replacement. So that's that was, you know, that's, there's a lot to be done there uh, at your church. There is. Uh, I never realized organs were so expensive, but um, our uh, decent organ was about a $300,000 piece of musical equipment. Wow. But uh, insurance is going to cover that. What we're really talking about doing is we are we play host to the largest group of um, addiction recovery groups in southwest Louisiana. And so what we'd like to do, we had uh, the rectory where the priest typically lives was completely demolished. Uh, luckily, that was not our home. Um, but rather than rebuild a rectory, we would like to come back and build a facility to, to better host and better welcome folks in the addiction community who mm-hmm. are working through some of those issues. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, well, like I said, we, we really appreciate you coming along for the ride, and we encourage um, all of y'all listening to take some of the tips provided today by Father Seth and apply them to your life. And if there's anything we can do for y'all, y'all let us know. And until next time, we'll catch y'all later. Aye. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing. Shining, nothing more I need. Yeah. If you feel like this, your best life, won't you sing with me?
Let me go. 